Hello, and welcome back to the Self Healer Soundboard. The past couple of weeks, we've been exploring the practice of creating space for ourselves and others to validate our experiences and to get curious about our emotions and also, of course, learning how to regulate our emotions. A question came in recently where a listener was wondering how this conversation applies to those people that we determine are quote unquote toxic, who maybe manipulate us or gaslight us. So we figured it would be a great opportunity to dive into that conversation on this episode right now. That question or comment in response to past episodes came in particular to the most recent episode that is out now as we are recording this, which is I think episode 48 or 49 for gun 48 episode 48 there are mar- multiple realities and it was specifically asking you know how does this multiple reality mm-hmm. the validation or understanding or even just allowance that there is another reality alternative to my own and both are valid well what happens when we perceive that person's reality as being toxic or manipulative and Truth is, their reality is still a reality. It is still valid. The idea that someone else's reality is toxic or gaslighting or manipulative, while that may be so, the idea of it being toxic in general is also subjective. That is something that we have taken on a view of from our own filter, our own habits, our own conditioning. So when we declare or say that someone else or something else is toxic or is anything, we are making a statement that that is our view of them. That doesn't then mean that it is a sweeping statement across the board that because I think so-and-so is toxic, that they are. It means that my view of them is that this person or this situation is toxic. That is my very valid view. Now, the other person may not agree. That is also valid. Though that toxicity, if we want to call it that as we're going with on this theme here, whatever that view is, is my perception. It is my opinion. So that means it's also my responsibility and opportunity to choose to respond to that person or situation however I want to. I'm not suddenly a victim to a circumstance because I believe this other person is manipulating me or gaslighting me. Well, if I believe that to be true, then that's all feedback. That is all neutral information that I've discovered for myself. And now it is my role to respond to that, how I see best fit for me, whether that mean removing myself, taking space, taking time away. It still lives within my hands and within my choice how I interact with that person. The first part here of what you're sharing, Jenna, is is so wise and really so important. So I want to hit pause on that, which is this idea that even, you know, a uh, perception of toxicity really in and of itself is another perspective. So same conversation applies as we unpacked during that episode about multiple realities, which is what I experience as toxic might be very different than what, say, you even experience as toxic because our current reality is colored by all of our past experiences. So really quick example, um, someone that finds themselves, say, in a relationship with someone who's loud and speaks at you know, a very high volume and maybe struggles with, with boundaries around personal spaces and, and is always barging into rooms. 
um, very objective behaviors right now, that right there, that's going to be experienced very differently by two different people. So someone who in their childhood didn't have, you know, any sort of boundary violations, their room in childhood, their journal was kept private. Um, and they also, you know, didn't necessarily have loud, overwhelming noises or yelling or screaming in the household. So that human might not experience those behaviors in the moment as problematic, as overwhelming, as toxic, might be a little less than ideal, of course, who likes to be barged in on, though, might not register in the form of toxicity that it might for someone who had the different experience of childhood, maybe who was always barged in on or, or who came up in a home where there was screaming and yelling, overwhelming feelings all of the time. That person might experience those very objective behaviors as highly toxic, highly problematic, and highly violating. So again, same conversation here applies that it is our journey to figure out where our limits are and what actually is registering equally as valid, whatever person we are, as being problematic for us. As you're sharing, Nicole, I completely had forgotten growing up, I didn't even have a door on my bedroom. And <laughs> I grew up in this, what was a really beautiful old antique Victorian home in upstate New York that had been built in, I think, the 1700s. And my bedroom used to be a stairwell that went up to this little like lookout tower, which you actually helped me realize was a lookout tower for the lake because where I lived was this old summer camp on what is called Round Lake. And there's actually a big round lake. So my bedroom used to actually be a stairwell that went up to this lookout tower. The tower wasn't there anymore when we lived there. Um, but my bedroom was that small. It was this tiny little nook that literally used to fit a staircase. And I think at one point I had like a foldable door in front of it, but right outside my bedroom door, I looked directly across two feet away to my brothers who shared a bedroom and then my mother's bedroom who was right next to it. So you had this like circular pad at the top landing of our house that had three doors and then a bathroom that just rotated around it. So we literally all, I could sit in my bed and just see everyone in my family. And I share that because I hadn't even really registered that until now. I always forget, oh, that's an interesting thing. Like you really didn't have a bedroom door or any privacy at all growing up. And mindful of that, just as you're sharing, Nicole, putting myself in that position of that little kid who didn't really have those boundaries. There was always loudness. There was always someone barging in. And while I fit that description, I don't necessarily relate to that anymore. I now do have my own privacy. I do have and take and create my own space. So if there is barging in or there is that unwanted loudness, that is a boundary violation for me. That is behavior that to me is not okay. And that shows really the flexibility and the growth and the journey that I've been on. So it's something to keep in mind for all of you listening to that you're not going to fit just in one perfect box and then stay there for all of your life. It is empowering and really supportive, I think, to be mindful that a flexibility and a flow on your journey is what allows and creates that resilience when we get to actually discover ourselves with an open mind and not necessarily know the archetype of who we are and why we respond to things the way we do and instead leave the lid off of that and allow ourselves to be curious and allow ourselves to experience ourselves newly in the present. I think what you're beautifully describing is an evolution, even in maybe our own subjective definition around toxicity, where, right, this idea of boundaries. And as we shift and change our boundaries, we're going to experience those 
people that we're in relationship with who maybe struggle with boundaries themselves quite differently. What might be toxic at one part or problematic or overwhelming at one part of our healing journey very well might switch. And we can probably see that same evolution when we're talking about the very loaded words of um, gaslighting, um, which is a form of manipulation. Also, that was part of this comment that we're speaking to today. And what I'm imagining when I'm sharing that evolution is the more insecure we are in our reality. So again, tuning back to those previous episodes where we talked about validating our own reality and creating space to do that. When we're not sure of that, we're very open then to feel gaslighted or manipulated by the world. So if Jenna continues to show up to me and tell me what my reality is, and I'm not secure in what it is for myself, that in and of itself probably will feel like gaslighting, like manipulation, like Jenna's trying to kind of indirectly or directly manipulate me into seeing things from her perspective. Now, nothing changes. That still is the action Jenna's taking, though I'm someone who's very secure in my truth, right? While Jenna's behaviors might not change, she might continue to seemingly try to convince me, manipulate me, gaslight me. But from that foundational base of security, it's going to land different right? It might be a conversation I choose not to engage in anymore. I might decide that, you know what, we're going to just agree to disagree in this moment, but I'm going to leave that experience and that interaction feeling much different, much less violated, much less manipulated and gaslighted than if I was that insecure person. And that's one of those big areas that I think, um, and I've seen in my own healing journey, which is learning how to create that space and to show up in validation of myself even when the world around me is giving me different feedback. It really is rooted in your own security and being grounded in yourself because any, even if it is a true manipulation or toxicity, any sort of trigger, anything that ruffles your feathers or rubs you the wrong way, for me, I draw every line back always to the center of me. Why did I respond that way to that? Why did that piss me off so much? Why did that make me so sad? Why did that hurt me so much? All of those whys, all of that space of curiosity that I will really sit in with myself when something does trigger me, all of them have an anchor that is me. If I am feeling completely in integrity, completely confident, completely connected to my truth, and I'm just like really rocking on as Jenna, then I'm unshakable. You can't ruffle me. You can't necessarily trigger me. I might notice a trigger come up and I can release it the same in that moment because I'm standing so strong in my own integrity and in my own values. I've noticed this specifically with myself, even in recording this podcast. And a couple months ago, every time when we finish recording, I there's usually like a purge of anxiety or there's some sort of like, oh, you rambled too much. You didn't say this. Why did you say that? There's a whole series of inner dialogue that happens in my mind and I just have to shake it off. And a few months ago, it something just clicked and dawned on me that while I walk away from recording, my body still goes through this like anxiety reaction or this anxiety purge. And I'm almost able to to witness it happening in my body now and remove myself from it because I've gotten so clear on witnessing that all of the story and all of the dialogue, all of the anxiety that comes after recording these podcasts are all rooted in an attachment to some created meaning and some created story of another person's perception. 
if I'm feeling really good about me, really in integrity and grounded in myself and my own values, and I'm just present, then I feel different about how I show up. If there's a part of me that is off balance or I'm low on my resources or I know I've been betraying a certain part of me or betraying my needs or maybe I'm attached to another person or relationship or old habit because it allows me to be complacent and has that familiarity, even if it doesn't serve me, well, then that shows up in that inner dialogue. I start berating myself. I start questioning myself. Now, if someone else gives me feedback or a response or confrontation or confrontation in that space when I'm feeling a little off about myself, then absolutely you're going to see a bigger emotional reaction. I'm going to be very triggered by it. I'm probably going to be offended by it because I'm all caught up in some story instead of just following that line with the anchor on it that goes back to me and realizing that there was something about me that was off balance and that wasn't grounded. Because if I'm really living and embodying and being in my truth, then yes, something someone else may say, might rub me the wrong way, but I can release it in that same moment when I realize that I have complete non-attachment because it's someone else's perspective and someone else's valid reality and experience. I love this. So applying us to the conversation of this hypothetical, toxic, manipulator, gaslighting person, right? A lot of times it's about getting really honest and exploring whether or not the upset is coming because we had a different expectation of how that human show up and what we're calling or how we're calling the way that they did show up is toxic may not be that at all. It might just be different or outside of our expectation. We might wish things were different though. They are as they are. Now, of course, this doesn't, the next step of this process, right? Isn't to ignore the feelings that we're having. Because once we peel back this onion, we get curious and we do all of the work and the daily embodiment of releasing those attachments because it's not just the light switch that, you know, Jenna said it. So great. My attachments are gone. It's really the practice. The light switch comes after (laughs) years of consistent and persistent work. Then it really does come if you keep practicing. Absolutely. So like Jenna is now in real time, more often than not able to do that deep exploration, release that attachment. And then she's still left with herself and perhaps on occasion, and maybe even consistently with one person or one relationship, what she might find are still feelings. So this isn't to invalidate. Once I've peeled back and my expectations aren't there, and now I continue to engage with this one person, right? I might still leave those interactions feeling depleted, feeling agitated, feeling some kind of way, right? So now we open up a conversation within ourselves about holding that responsibility for ourselves. Again, not pointing the finger that only if they were different in whatever way, I won't feel this way to really look at those feelings and to really then explore the possibility of creating change, meaning I might need to take responsibility for myself. Now that I'm no longer attached to changing, say, Jenna, I might need to look at objectively how my relationship with her feels. And if it doesn't feel expansive, alivening, supportive, then I might really need to get honest with myself and create boundaries and create limits and maybe minimize the amount of time I'm engaging with her. So again, this isn't 
to remove our feelings, once we've peeled back the attachments, we're still left with that guidance. And we still might be getting messages that, you know what, this isn't an expansive space for me, this relationship. Then again, as opposed to becoming victim, Jenna, you have to change. I'm taking that responsibility and I'm making steps to shift my participation in that relationship in the way that I need to. It really calls for a major expansion of yourself and a major allowance of other people's realities and worlds and feelings to be just as valid as your own. Because most of us are wanting other people to hear us, to genuinely listen to us, to get us, right? We want that of others. We unconsciously or consciously have that expectation of others. Yet so often we all have put up this immediate invisible armor and we repel that from others. We're very rarely as open to immediately and naturally give that same listening and that same hearing and same validation to another, yet we expect it from other people. I love what you're bringing up here, Jenna, because you're really kind of turning a light back onto the, even the possibility that we might be playing a role in the toxic patterning or whatever we're calling toxic or gaslighting or invalidating or manipulative. Again, we might be, if we're truly honest with ourselves participating in that. We not, might not be creating space for someone else's reality to be valid. In other ways, we might be manipulating them in some indirect way that we're not even aware of. So again, it's turning that spotlight on ourselves and getting really brutally honest, um, especially if we do tend to notice that we do throw around that label of toxic person, manipulator, narcissist, gaslighter, really get curious about our participation in those relationships. And as powerless as it feels when we are reacting, when we do find ourselves in relationships that feel violating, it feels very powerless. It does feel like the world is happening to us and this person is causing my pain. When we create space to play a part, be a participant, even acknowledging that we might be playing a part we're not yet even aware of in these patterns, as uncomfortable as that is, speaking from my own journey, it's been very uncomfortable to see the roles that I've played in having emotional distance in my relationships and having emotional reactivity and not creating a safe space for emotional closeness. Really seeing the role I played helped me shift from, well, you're toxic and you're the problem, which I absolutely used to do myself. So out you go and comes a new relationship who's not going to cause that issue for me and really exploring the role I'm playing. So gentle suggestion to anyone out there who's resonating with even the question that began this episode of having that toxic or that narcissistic person in our life, getting really curious, you know, how are you defining? What are you experiencing about that relationship as toxic or as manipulative or as invalidating or gaslighting or whatever it is? getting curious as to why it is you're feeling that way and what role you might be playing and continuing. You might not have created necessarily the engagement in that cycle, though on some indirect way you might have. Now, however, you can create change in how that future moves forward. I think you're being kind because I, I don't even- <laughs> I see a big laugh coming out of I don't even right. think that it's a, a maybe <laughs> you play a role or, you know, maybe you're playing a role in that toxic pattern with that person. I think whether or not we want to admit it, you are playing a role. You People treat us how we allow ourselves to be treated. Now, does that mean if someone is manipulating you or someone is abusing you that you then 
you know, suddenly we're saying, well, shame on you. That's your problem. You brought that upon yourself. No, I'm saying that we do allow ourselves to be treated by other people how we believe we should be treated. So that means that if someone treats us in a way that we don't agree with, that we find disrespectful, that crosses our boundary, then it is our responsibility and our choice to respond to that person and relationship how we see best fit. That may mean changing the relationship. It may mean ending the relationship. It may mean taking space. It may mean you having the courage to verbally and clearly draw those boundaries and say to that person, this is what is okay with me. This is what's not okay with me. And then their response to that is your feedback. If you continue to stick around and allow that behavior to be okay, well, then at that point, you are choosing that. You are dictating for others and saying to others, this is how I'm willing to be treated. You know, you continue to manipulate me and it pisses me off and I just continue to allow the cycle to happen. And I keep sitting over here blaming you saying, well, you know, this person manipulates me. They're toxic. But I continue to allow that person to treat me that way. No one else is making space for that person to continue on that way except for me. So you do 100% play a role in every relationship, in every experience that you are in. And if it does cross your boundary the first time around, then that's feedback for you. That's opportunity for you to say, this is what's so very black and white, very objective. This either is or is not okay with me. And then from there, I get to make a choice. Most of us don't like that position because it is really uncomfortable, which is another beautiful thing. If you're uncomfortable, you're healing. That discomfort, that newness, that challenge, that uncomfortability that we feel, that's golden. That means things are stirring up. Things are new. You're thinking of things newly. You're seeing them newly. You're treating yourself newly. You do in a way have to be kind of on your first day of school or first day of work every day when you're facing different experiences and different relationships as you continue to heal. So I think it's a major disservice to ourselves when we do allow ourselves to sort of coddle one another, or as you're being so kind and saying, you know, maybe we play a role in it. You do play a role in it. I play a role in every relationship that I don't like or that I think is not okay for me. I 100% am 50% of that relationship. I love this. Tough love. Thank you, Jenna. And there's a, <laughs> definitely a past self in me that, you know, just speaking from my own lived experience, having had relationship after relationship or just you know, any type of degree of interaction with someone. And very historically, I would explain away things that weren't okay with me. I didn't really know where my boundary or my limit was. And what really comes to mind is a relationship I had in my early 20s that was on again, off again over several years, mainly because the person, the woman that I was in a relationship with was really emotionally erratic um, and quite emotionally abusive and would really be mean to me, um, say very mean things to me, call me a dumbass, you know, yell and scream if she didn't like the way that I was behaving or choosing to behave in every, any moment. And what I saw was a, a very historical pattern, which was I understood in that moment it didn't feel good. No one likes to have something mean said or to be yelled at or even to be on any receiving end of emotional reactivity. So 
there was some degree of like, I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel great. It would upset me. But what had more space within me is an understanding or a rationalizing away, seeing that person's behavior in that moment as a function of their wounding, which was true, right? They were bringing back something from their past and reacting the only way that they knew how. However, I explained away my limit in that. I didn't take responsibility for myself that I continued to show up at dinner with this person to open myself up to be on the receiving end of screaming, yelling, or being called a dumbass at some future point, which is what continued to happen. But even in you catching me in this moment, trying not to be as direct about it, all of that was a glimpse into my internal processes. This explaining away, even for myself, of where my limit was and then learning how to confidently stand in that limit. I can see your pain, toxic human, whoever you might be, or manipulating gas lighter, and that still doesn't mean that I need to create the space for you or this relationship in my life. And that's something I'm continuing to work on is to be your voice in my head in those moments, which is radical responsibility. If I choose to now engage with this person again, that's my choice that I'm making. And when you don't do that, what starts to happen over time is all of this anger or frustration or this viewpoint that we have of the other person that we're now, just for the sake of this episode, Mm -hmm. labeling as toxic. Mm -hmm. Well, now all of this upset feeling over time, for me, I've witnessed and for everyone that I've worked with and just seen on their journeys over the years, all that whole space of all of those feelings that are really bubbling up in us and angering us and frustrating us start to actually not be about the other person or situation, but they very sneakily and very subconsciously actually start to be about ourselves. Because when we are not direct, when we are not rooted in ourselves, when we are not speaking our truth, when we give a permission slip to someone else to treat us in a way that Our highest self knows we shouldn't be treated or that we deserve to be treated better than, though if I'm allowing that, then there is a wounded part in me and a deep belief in me that does believe on some deep inner level that I do deserve that mistreatment. So over time, it's actually a betrayal of self and the person that my growing frustration and anger is with, the person that is creating this toxicity now isn't actually the original situation. The original situation was a trigger or an open window to something much deeper. Now, over time, I'm betraying myself. I'm betraying my own truth. I'm betraying how little Jenna knows that she now deserves to be treated with nothing but love and kindness and honesty. And if that's not what's consistently in our path, then I play a role with that. And when I don't speak my truth, I am telling the other person, it's okay for me to be treated that way. That means little Jenna inside of me is consistently being told by this person, by me, Big J over here, who she's now looking to as her caretaker, as her safe space. That safe space is now reaffirming to her, hey, you deserve to be treated like shit. Hey, what they're saying is true. It's up to me to really come back to me to say, hey, this is okay or this isn't okay. And it starts simply with understanding first that whatever someone is saying about me or to me, whatever I'm labeling as toxic or manipulative, that is over there with them. Just because it's in my sphere does not suddenly mean that it's true and that is suddenly all of the weather around me. 
I get to choose and dictate and create the weather around me, the embodiment of the space that I'm coming from, which my true self, if I'm really tuned in, it is a space of love. It is a space of genuine human connection. When I'm in that space, I'm not betraying me. So when you say radical responsibility and radical honesty, for me, one of the most empowering things has really been challenging myself and really checking myself over time and realizing that whenever there is something happening out there in the world that I'm upset or frustrated about, my only access to resolve is finding the role and the really the centerpiece that I play in it because I'm the only person I have access to change. I'm the only person I have access to heal or evolve and grow. I can't do anything with that person over there. I have to show up different and then allow the world around me to show up differently, but it doesn't work the other way around. I love this. And this beautifully brings us, you know, full circle. And so much as if you are someone out there who's listening or the person who even had asked this question to inspire this episode that, you know, does feel like we're surrounded by toxic, manipulative, gaslighting relationships and who on some level was looking for the answer to be what to say or do to change that person. The first radically responsible step you can make is making that shift is really beginning to explore the many different ways you might not even be aware of yet that you are betraying yourself, that you're not creating the boundaries that in that relationship or maybe across all of your relationships that allow you to have that first and foremost, maybe even perception of where your limits are, that awareness of what's okay or what isn't okay. And then obviously to show up in service of those wants, in service of those needs and to create that safety. So this is an invitation to turn that focus inward to, it might be the reality that there are relationships that you will come to the awareness that you want to shift or change at the end of this journey, but it's not going to happen by pointing the fingers, by demanding, or by giving those around us ultimatums that they change. It's really going to be about empowering ourselves to look at the role we're playing in continuing those patterns and then to make those slight shifts and changes, which again can begin with just observing what does feel so toxic or problematic and what's one step I can take to begin to break that habit for myself. I know a lot of people have, have difficulty and pain over realizing, well, one, releasing a relationship, but realizing that a relationship that was such a prominent part of their lives, maybe no longer serves them or not even serves them. It is no longer okay. It doesn't serve both of your highest self. And every time I say this word doesn't serve you, I keep hearing all the feedback like, oh, well, all of your relationships have to serve you. Well, no, but if if I'm in a relationship with someone that I now view, I'm viewing as toxic or I know it's just not okay, it does cross my boundaries. Like, And I'm clear on that then I'm not doing a disservice by letting that go. I'm not doing something mean or cruel to the other person because if it's not in true alignment with my own well-being as a human, with my own heart and mind and body and soul, if that's not in alignment, then it's not in alignment with the well-being of the other person's heart and mind and body and soul. They may not be able to see that. You may not be able to have a clear communication like that with someone, but there is a, a universal, I think, and an innate trust that I personally just find in my heart. I've 
always felt led by this pull. And I I do always come back to a space of understanding, you know, no matter what comes on my path, no matter what challenge, no matter how painful it is, I know that it is here for a reason. I know that anything is only ever happening in the now because I have gotten myself to a place to be able to deal with it now, to go through it and to learn from it now. As all conversations, you know, I think it's important as we're ending here to really highlight two things, which of course is the process. Um, None of this happens overnight and also self-compassion for ourselves and of course others around us, especially if we are coming to the realization that we're going to start to communicate differently and to shift and change the way we show up. And I want to invite everyone who's listening. There was an episode we did several months back now um, entitled How to Let Go of Relationships That No Longer Serve You, where we talk a bit more in depth about just that. Um, Coming to the realization that we are shifting and changing our relationships and, of course, creating space for the grieving and the loss and the evolution that you're describing right here, Jenna. So anyone who hasn't yet heard or tuned into that episode, I definitely suggest it because that might be the next step on this journey of realization. And as always, we appreciate um, you listening, you commenting, you getting curious, and you considering these conversations in your own lives and looking forward as always to continuing this conversation with all of you during next episode.